Hey everybody, I'm Larry Little, and you're listening to Crossing the Line, a podcast where I talk with people about the moments in their life when they cross the line from leading with their head to also leading with their heart. In other words, how do you combine the skill with the desire? And today, we have an incredible podcast for you. I, I tell you, you better just put on your, your safety belt because today's going to be a lot of fun. We're talking with Chris Lilly. Uh, Chris Lilly is a fourth-generation partner of Big Bob Gibson Barbecue. But more than that, uh, he is a, an incredible chef. He has a world-renowned uh, competition cooking team. They've won 17 world awards. Uh, they've, they've won all kinds of other awards across the country. He is an inductee into the Barbecue Hall of Fame. He's an instructor in culinary institutes uh, in Napa Valley and, in, and across the country. He is, I could just go on and on. Uh, he has jobs that he works for companies like Nissan, NASCAR, Microsoft, Toyota. He is an ambassador for Smithfield and Yeti. He is in high, high demand. Chris Lilly has a journey of leadership uh, that you need to hear. I, I just have enjoyed this. I think you're going to really, really like what you're about to hear. So uh, tune in, lean in, and listen up as we jump into this conversation with Chris Lilly. Well, I'll tell you what, this is going to be fun. I have been looking forward to this for a long time. My friend, Chris Lilly, um, and you know, you, you've already heard about his accomplishments. He is an amazing man, an amazing talent, um, world renowned. I mean, my gosh, he's a celebrity. We may need to stop, Chris. I need your autograph before we go any further. I don't <laughs> know if I can get that virtually, but <laughs> hey, thank you for being on Crossing the Line today. Chris Lilly, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate the invitation. Well, I tell you, um, every time I talk to somebody and they're asking, like, who's going to be your next guest? And when I throw out that name, Chris Lilly, man, they get excited. I don't know if that they think, you know, that maybe I'm going to get some free barbecue out of this deal. I don't know how that works, but uh, they get excited. You have made a name for yourself, and rightly so, Chris. Um, it's just an amazing thing that you've done with, uh, with Big Bob Gibson's Barbecue. And if you want to, by the way, uh, more information about that, we'll put it in the show notes because everybody has to experience Big Bob Gibson's barbecue. You got to experience it. It is, it is amazing. I grew up with it. And uh, listen, it will change your life. I'm just telling you, it is incredible barbecue. Not only that, uh, of course, as you heard earlier in the intro, he, Chris, you're an amazing pit master. Oh, my gosh. And the, the Hall of Fame and, and world renowned and, and, and so many of those awards we talked about. Uh, you ever, does your head get a little big, Chris, from time to time? <laughs> I cook barbecue for a living. I don't think it can get very big. <laughs> it's definitely not rocket science, but gosh, it has been a lifestyle and a fantastic life for me. So uh, I'm not going to complain whatsoever. <laughs> I love it. What what a great gig, right? Yeah, to cook barbecue for a living. That, that's amazing. But you've done so much more than that, Chris. You've made an impact on our community here in North Alabama and beyond in our state. Um, you're a leader that, that's recognized as, as someone who has not only been success, uh, successful from a business standpoint, but also just for who you are and, and, and what you represent and how you reach out to the community and the things you've done there that, that I've got to see over and over again. So I want to I wanna just kind of, well, I, I just want to learn more about you. I want to pick your brain a bit. 
And I want you to help us today as we cross the line from understanding about leading with our head and our heart and how both of those are important, but it, but it comes with first developing those characteristics um, that helped you to make the decisions that you make to be the leader you are. So wh who was Chris growing up? Wh where, where did you grow up? Kind of take us, we want to hear the Chris Lilly story. Well, sure. So uh, I was born and raised in Florence, Alabama, not too far from Decatur. Uh, so still North Alabama, still along the Tennessee River. And, uh, you know, had uh, had a brother and two sisters. So a uh, big, big Catholic family in Florence. So, uh, so yeah, I just uh, grew up in Florence. And uh, my dad, he was a, had a, a architecture degree from Georgia Tech. And uh, when I was young, he was a builder. And uh, so I got to see him work, work hard. And I think that's where I developed my work ethic. Okay, this is it. It's where it begins. It's that work ethic. Uh, pay attention to this. Uh, Chris talks about this work ethic, and it really is important uh, as we follow his journey of leadership watching him get up early in the morning and go to work and come home late. You know, he, uh, he wasn't uh, loud and boisterous. He just uh, kept his nose down, did his work and enjoyed family. So uh, um, went to Coffee High School, which is no more. Now it's Florence High School. Uh, they combined two high schools there. And I stayed local. I went to the University of North Alabama uh, College there in Florence and uh, went four years there, graduated with a degree in marketing and finance. Uh, they didn't offer a barbecue class there, so, <laughs> so that was learned after the fact. But uh, yeah, grew up in Florence, born and raised. Uh, you know, didn't do a whole lot of travel, just, uh, you know, hit the books and uh, enjoyed life. Uh, right. Uh, uh, did, did a little work on the side. Uh, I worked for Unclaimed Baggage of Florence, and then I worked for uh, Mangum's Furniture. I delivered furniture through high school and college. So, oh, wow. Well, let that me is the, go ahead. That's where you got all those muscles. Now I see, yeah. <laughs> hey, take us back and think about a day in the life of, and, and what, what was it like as a child, even maybe in elementary school, Growing up in Florence with your dad, the hard worker, he's out you're working and, and he's teaching you that work ethic. But what was a what was a day in the, in the life of Chris like as a child? Well, you know, with a big family like that and my the dad gone a lot working, uh, you know, I had to uh, be creative on, on how I spent my time and how I kept busy. So there you have the second thing that's really important. Uh, he develop the ability to be creative, to think outside the box, if you will. You know, it's uh, with four kids, you know, the, the tension gets divided by, uh, by four. So you've, uh, mm. I really had a lot of time by, by myself to really reflect and, uh, and, you know, find things to do. And a lot of that was outdoors. So I spent a ton of time outdoors on the creeks and on the rivers and just, uh, uh, you know, riding motorcycles and uh, just, uh, you know, just having fun doing the kids things. So uh, when I wasn't in school, I'd leave, leave home early in the morning and uh, come back about dinner time. 
And that's when the family, uh, it was pretty neat back then. Uh, we always met and the whole family would sit around on the dinner table and, uh, and talk about what happened in each other's lives during that day. So uh, that was a time to, that I had with my family. I knew I had it every day. You know, Chris, think, thinking about that, I think about growing up as a, as a kid and, and playing in the creek and that kind of thing. And like you said, going out and being outside all day. You know, I think, I think we've lost some of that today. I mean, I mean, what in the world? Think about some of the things that we did as children that, you know, it, it would be no way we, we, we could get by with that today. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, most of the time you look at the kids today and a lot of times they're in their rooms, they're playing video games, they're on their telephone, they're doing social media and things like that. But we didn't have that back then. You know, the best we had was Atari and, uh, you know, Pong and, oh, yeah. you know, the really simple video games. So, you know, you had to be creative and get creative with the with the toys and the sticks and the balls and the floats and the rafts and uh, and that's why much of my time was spent outside with friends. Uh, you know, I look back at the, the some of you brought a good point. I look back at some of the crazy things that I did. You know, on motorcycles and uh, exploring uh, not only behind the house but all over the city where I probably shouldn't have taken a dirt bike. <laughs> exactly right. I, the, I, the same way I had one of those little mini bikes and, you know, we didn't, we didn't think about a helmet. I mean, what in the world, you know, we just, we just kind of went and did, did our thing, but times, times have changed, but I do think I'd love your thought on this. Don't you think some of that, you know, the hard knocks kinds of things, because we had to kind of work through our own issues, if you will, our own problems, and you said creativity and that is so true. But don't you think some of that helped you to, to be who you are today, to, to know how to navigate uh, different things that come up? Oh, without a doubt. You know, I think back when I was a kid, you know, and my dad being a builder, he had an amazing shop and amazing tools and wood and all sorts of different things that I could go down in there during the day and play with and put things together and use my imagination and, uh, and, and then hanging out with him on job sites and everything. I was learning skills back then that I didn't even know it, that I apply in my daily life and repair and maintenance around the house or just figuring things out, the mechanical aspect of figuring things out and knowing how things work. Figuring things out. He is going to use that trait later on when he faces a major obstacle uh, in his business and in, in Big Bob Gibson. So, Hang on to those thoughts, uh, his work ethic, his creativity, and figuring things out. That's what he learned as a child. And, and I think a lot of that gets lost uh, today with kids because they're so preoccupied with uh, other things. They don't have the time to really, uh, to really learn and explore like I did when I was a child. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Technology is a wonderful thing, but I think it's stolen some things from us uh, as a culture. And, and part of that is being outside and having the time without those devices where you can instantly talk to your friends, you know, across the, the world or wherever, uh, to figure things out, to learn, to explore, to, to try. It's just a different world today. Hey, yeah, I think... I think too, and you bring that up, I think, yeah, you know, you can, you can bring health into that as well. You know, where, uh, you know, I was, 
I was outdoors in creeks and mud and, and woods and everything. It was almost like you're building your immune system up to uh, a lot of things that, uh, that don't affect me. Um, you know, I wasn't as concerned with germs and sanitizer solution and, and things like that as we have to be now. So uh, I feel like I'm in good health with a great immune system. And I think, you know, who knows? I think that goes back to your childhood and how you you're raised. Boy, I think you're so right. I think about going out in creeks and, and climbing the, 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 you know, out in the woods and the mountains and, and drinking that water, <laughs> drinking <laughs> that water, you know, out of the creek or wherever. And, uh, you know, that, that, uh, probably, probably helped us health wise too. You know, I, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, but, but maybe we need a bit of more of that in today's wear a mask everywhere you go thing. Chris, tell me, I want to, I want to take a, a little turn now that you, you know, you've grown up in this in, out in Florence and you, you've been, uh, with, watching your dad work. Now you're in, now you're in college and you're majoring in, in marketing and you're at, uh, you know, in school there locally, uh, who were you there? What kind of student were you? Were you, were you the athlete? Were you the uh, academic? Were you the social guy? Who were you growing up in college? I think I had a good mix, uh, especially in college. Uh, you know, I was in a fraternity. I played intramural sports, uh, but uh, I took school serious as well. But I took the social aspect uh, pretty serious as well too so it was a good mix uh, I didn't blow school off I took my classes seriously um, I studied when I need to studied when I had to uh, I wasn't in the books all the time by any means um, because I had a lot of friends and a lot of activities that were going on I was a, a student government association senator I was in uh, several academic clubs so I had a lot going on at, at UNA uh, and plus trying to double major as well. I was definitely busy and also worked through college as well. You know, I still had that job delivering furniture in the, in the afternoons. And, um, you know, I was, I, I didn't have much free time on my hands. You know, that's what, when I'm looking back and seeing that, you know, as a child, you developed that work ethic, you watched, you experienced it, you had that creativity to go out and and, and look at things in a different way and to figure things out, to, to do that. And I see that you used all of that in college. You know, that, that's why you did what you did in college and, and from the, uh, you know, from the fraternity to the, to the social aspect, to the academic aspect, to, to the SGA, um, you know, as a senator. What in the world possessed you though to, and how did you, when you were in, in college, I mean, some of that is, is really risk-taking. You know, if you go out and say, uh, I want to, even joining a fraternity, I want to reach out and join a fraternity. I want to be a senator in the SGA. Any fear of failing there or what made you take that risk to do those kinds of things? No, I don't think there was a, a fear of failure. I think it was a, uh, a desire for a different experience or desire to, to, uh, to live a life better. I, I don't think I wanted to miss anything, to be mm. totally honest with you. Good. Um, it, and, you know, I was, you know, I would, I would take shortcuts. I would, uh, you know, I would again, use my imagination and creativity, uh, to experience as much as I could, uh, a quick story. 
you know, it, to be SGA senator, you have to get uh, people to sign for you. You have to get a list of, I don't I forget how it was, six or seven, 800 names of people, fellow students to sign and support you as a SGA senator. Wow. Um, I got a little creative in that. And then I went down to the gym for three nights in a row and went up to the person that checks all the students into the gym and uh, gave them a piece of paper and said that I was uh, writing a story on the usage of the gym. Uh, <laughs> and I needed everybody that came in to, uh, to write their signature down so we could explore uh, how many people were using the facilities. <laughs> and in, in two or three nights, I got all of my signatures. Oh, yes, you did. <laughs> and I turned those in and, and I was an SGA center. <laughs> I love that creativity, Chris. That is awesome. That, that's ingenuity at its best, right? <laughs> okay, so take us through, where did you meet your bride? Talk, talk to us about that. Well, and this starts where, where it starts getting into barbecue a little bit. So okay. in college at UNA, I met uh, Amy McLemore, whose great-grandfather was Big Bob Gibson who started the barbecue restaurant Decatur back in 1925. So I met her in college and uh, we dated for a few years. I graduated in 1990. Uh, I moved to Franklin, Tennessee and uh, asked Amy to marry me and she moved up there with me. And uh, so, yeah, I met, uh, met Amy in college before then. Uh, Absolutely no experience in barbecue, no experience in restaurants. Uh, but uh, that, that I guess, looking back, I started my barbecue career, uh, meeting that particular person. Yeah, you did. So when you were in Franklin, Tennessee, was that anything to do with barbecue or was that just a... What, what Nothing at all. I graduated and got a job with a company that sold like uh, surgical scrub suits and things that sold like, uh, you, you know, I would be calling on dentists and doctor's offices and things like that. So it was a it was a sales rep job. I was living in Franklin and that was my territory. And uh, and I worked up there for about a year. Amy was with me up there for about uh, six months. And I think Amy's father, who owned Big Bob Gibson's at the time, uh, missed his daughter just enough to offer me a job to come back and learn the business. It had nothing to do with me. It was all my <laughs> wife. He just wanted her a little closer to home. I love that. So he offered you a job. You came back. And what would you start out doing? So it's interesting. He wanted me to uh, learn the business and he always wanted to do another location in Decatur. Uh, so he wanted me to, you know, learn the business and help him uh, run Big Bob Gibson's. But um, it's interesting when you get into the barbecue business. Uh, in order to know the barbecue business, you've got to learn how to cook barbecue first. So uh, with me, I insisted on actually coming in when the, uh, when the pit guys did every morning about 5.30 or 6 a.m., and learn that craft. Uh, so I would be in the pit room working all morning, learning how to cook barbecue. And then the afternoon, that's when I would focus on uh, the management in the front of the house and the cash registers, POS systems and things like that. And, and learn the uh, how to run a barbecue restaurant. So uh, 
And I quickly learned that I loved the back of the house, the pit room and the cooking a lot more than I did the front of the house and mm -hmm. actually uh, running the restaurant. But, uh, but that's when I fell in love with barbecue and the pit rooms of, of, of Gibson's barbecue. Wow. So you, you, uh, as a young man, you know, brought Amy back, went to the back and, and how were you received with those, those guys that have been back there for years cooking and here comes this young buck in, you know, he's one of the, one of the owners or one of the owner's family. What was that like? What was it like on those first mornings when you show up, you know, just trying, you know, trying to, trying to learn and understand, but they really probably didn't know, you know, who, you, you know, what you were about. That was, that was really a great question. You know, I came in as a young, confident kid, you know, college educated. I was going to go back there and, you know, no problem, learn this and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, and do my thing. But uh, barbecue is different than most cooking. It's, it's, you've got to feel it. It's more of an art and a science uh, than it is just firing up an oven and, you know, throwing food in or, uh, you know, frying something there's there's a lot to it and you it's really one of those things the more you do it the better you get um and and i but i quickly learned that i wasn't going to come in and just snap my fingers and and no barbecue and know how to cook it it's not a time and temperature thing it's more of a feel thing mm. um but it, as far as how i was accepted i imagine at the very beginning i probably wasn't so listen to what Chris is about to tell us. Uh, it goes all the way back to that work ethic, uh, but he's got a story here about what he learned uh, as a young man working in the back room of the pit. Uh, it's it's gold to lean in and hear what he's about to teach us here. But uh, I think once you get in there and start working with people and they see that you would not do anything that you haven't, you wouldn't ask them to do anything that you haven't done yourself mm -hmm. and that you would do right alongside side of them, elbow to elbow. And, uh, you know, then the acceptance, acceptance starts to come. So when I'm working the line, the setup line, and I'm in there and, and we're in the weeds, which in the restaurant business means you're busy as heck and, you know, and you're behind and you're trying yeah. to catch up. Yeah. Uh, I would like to think that uh, that they knew I was there and they knew I could they could count on me and I wasn't going to leave them and and they were glad I was with them because they knew my work ethic and knew that I would get the job done. Mm. So I think I think you gain respect um, of people when they watch you work and, and know that you're not going to, uh, you know, desert them, that you know that you, you're going to do anything that you ask them to do. Mm. You've done it and mm. you'll continue to do it side by side. You're going to do what needs to, to be done to get the job done. And I think they quickly saw that in me. So uh, shortly after I, I got to work in the pit rooms and work side by side with them, they, they, they had full acceptance. You, you, um, you earned that right, didn't you? Uh, yeah, you, you you've, got to gain, you've got to gain their respect. And once you gain their trust and respect, um, then they'll follow you anywhere. It's, it's, and go to battle with you and just, wow. you know, work harder. And uh, yeah. it, it's, it's good for the restaurant. It makes your job, it makes my job a lot easier when I got a crew that I can count on that I know they're gonna work hard. 
uh, and they respect uh, my decisions and respect what I tell them. Mm -hmm. Well, that goes all the way back to here we go to the uh, to the Chris as a child and learning how to work hard, watching his dad and and learning that that work ethic. Here we here we see that pattern again and again. Hey, Chris, tell me if you will just think a minute because you've you've had quite a journey and, and you, you and Amy together and um, and your precious family and uh, but sometimes it's it's easy for us to look at a, a Chris Lilly, uh, world renowned famous barbecue pit master, barbecue hall of famer and say, boy, he's got the easy life. He had, he had it handed to him on a silver spoon. You know, he didn't have to, he just walked right into this and everything was roses. Okay. I know, I know it's not handed to you on a silver spoon. It's handed to you on a silver platter, but you get the idea. Could you share with us perhaps um, what have been some of the uh, more significant struggles that you that you have experienced on your journey as a leader to this point in your life? Oh, wow. There have been so many um, struggles and, and, and really trials, and, and you've you got to put in the thought how you overcome them. I, I think one that jumps out at me is, um, is after I learned the business, you know, a few years later, I think I got started working 91, 92. And in 96, we decided to bottle our uh, barbecue sauces and try to get those out on the market. So, um, so we started working with a, a manufacturer that would match our recipes and put that in bottles. Uh, so we did all that, jumped through all those hoops. And we ordered a uh, truckload of barbecue sauce, white, white barbecue sauce, if you know Big Bob Gibson barbecue, and red barbecue sauce as well, and a spicy habanero barbecue sauce. So we had these barbecue sauces, and we had a warehouse full of them. And now you've got all this, and yes, we've got a restaurant we can sell, sell them out of, but we had a warehouse full of barbecue sauce. Well, what do you do with it? Yeah, it's easy to say, yeah, let's bottle our sauces. That's going to be great. But now you've got this huge other job that you have to get done on, on where do you sell it? Mm. So I thought, well, yeah, I'll just go down to the grocery store and say, hey, you know, let's get this off. You can't go down to a grocery <laughs> store and say, hey, you want to sell our sauce. They say, yeah, I'd like to sell your sauce, but, uh, but we don't make those decisions. Home office makes those decisions. You know, you've got to go through them. Right. So, and then home office says, well, what's your, uh, what's your sales records? You know, show us what you've sold in the past. And I'm sitting there with a warehouse full of barbecue sauce, you know, scratching my head, you know, this is a big problem. <laughs> so, um, how, I overcame that is I actually went to every grocery store in North Alabama. I talked to the managers. I gave them samples of sauce and asked them, would you like to sell our barbecue sauce? And they say, absolutely. And I say, okay, who is the person at home office that I need to talk to? So I got their, their name and number. I had the manager support. I had the store number and i got every manager's name and number and support in North Alabama. That's when I went to the home office for the first time. Wow. And I say, I say, look, I've got 14 of your stores in North Alabama that are wanting my barbecue sauce in there. These are their names. These are their store numbers. And 
usually they say, okay, well, I'll tell you what, Chris, we're going to give you two stores and we're going to take a look at your sales in a month's time and see if that works. That's when you do cut box displays, you do demos, you do, uh, you, you cook, you, you, I mean, you've got, you've got to work it. When four weeks, my sales were out of the roof because <laughs> I put so much time into those stores. Wow. That's, that's when they gave me the uh, full line of grocery stores in North Alabama. So did you, did you catch that uh, hard work and then plus some creativity? And the sales were out the roof in the first two months. It's that same recipe that, that Chris has used throughout his leadership journey. But now you have another problem. How do you get all of the sauce to the grocery stores? They check in early in the morning. Well, that falls back on me. Uh, you got to do direct store delivery in the back door before they open. So that's another job. We start at four in the morning doing direct store delivery to all the grocery stores in North Alabama. Okay. Wow. Every grocery store in North Alabama had my sauce except for Walmart. I never knocked on the doors. I never went to them because I heard so many horror stories about dealing with Walmart and uh, how they would, uh, you know, work your price down and the payment terms were, you know, uh, three months down the line and things like that. So I never called on them. But after about a, a year of working all the other grocery stores, I got a call from Bentonville, Arkansas, wanting to know why my sauce wasn't being delivered to the Walmart stores in North Alabama. And he said, I, here are five Walmarts we want you to start delivering to. And I said, thank you, but no thank you. I said, uh, I'm a small company. Uh, I'm doing all I can servicing these other grocery stores. But what I will do is I will send my sauce to your warehouse and let you distribute the sauce to these stores. And he said, no, we can't do that. He said, we can't just let a new, you know, a brand new product, unproven product in our grocery store warehouse and everything. I said, okay, that's fine. Thank you. But, you know, I, I you know, can't service your stores. And so this is where he uses the figuring it out trait that he got as a, as a kid. Listen to this. That's when I went and called on every Walmart manager in North Alabama <laughs> and told them, if they want our sauce, you need to call this guy in Bentonville, Arkansas, and tell him to put us in your warehouse. A day and a half later, I got Walmart warehouses <laughs> and got to pick my own terms as well. And, so, and you know, it goes all, Chris, back to earning the right. You put in the work, you put in the sweat, you, you know, you earn the right to have your sauce and all these stories by just what you did with the guys in the pit. You can went in there and worked hard and, and got up early and hit every store. What a great story. Wow. And, and, and now you're, you're uh, just kind of bring us up to date. What, how, how is your, your uh, sauce bottled distributed? How is it that, that bottled sauce, I should say, distributed? Where are you? Uh, Great point. After, after a couple of years, after I got it in the Walmart warehouses, uh, distributing companies started to take note of our sales, uh, you know, throughout North Alabama and uh, in the Southeast that we're delivering. It's, I was still delivering two stores and we we're in warehouses as well. So once they took note of our sales, then I had a distributing company come to me out of Birmingham, Alabama, Mrs. Stratton Salas. And they wanted to take over the distribution of our sauces in, in 
in North America. So, um, so worked out a deal with them. Now I get to sleep a little longer and uh, <laughs> they are distributing all of our sauces. They take delivery from the manufacturer. We never see it. We never touch it. Uh, you know, we just, we just look for that envelope at the end of each month. Yes, you do. And it's all over the country. It, 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 can, it can be anywhere. And that's amazing. What, what a great story of, of struggling and, and persevering and working through. Uh, and I know that's just one struggle that you've had to get to where you are today. What is the most difficult thing for you, uh, Chris, as, as you're, you're walking through this and, and trying to balance, uh, you know, the, the management side and your, your love for, for being a pit master and your family and, and raising, how many children do we have now? How many children? We've got three kids. Three kids. You know, you have three, three incredible kids. And so uh, what kind of, how do you balance all of that? And, and uh, what's been the most difficult part of, of uh, maintaining that balance, if you will? You know, and, and that, that is key. And that's something that I work on and strive towards and really, uh, now more than ever, that's on my mind um, uh, more than anything, getting that perfect balance in life. Um, and I think I've got pretty close to where I want it now, but, uh, but it took me a long time to get there. You know, again, when I was young, I was, I was aggressive. I wanted to achieve. I wanted to uh, take the history of Big Bob Gibson's and, and really let everybody know, let the world, let the country know how good a barbecue we have in Decatur, Alabama. Big Bob Gibson has a great story. I thought it needed to be told. And, um, and I worked hard to get the reputation of uh, Big Bob Gibson barbecue broadcasted. And, um, and so a lot of my time was, was not only in the barbecue uh, restaurant, um, but it was divided, you know, with the sauce, with the sauces. And then the competition cooking and the success with that brought on the television shows and the and the travel and things like that. Uh, the corporate contracts with great companies like Yeti and Kingsford and Smithfield and uh, work with Microsoft and, and Toyota and Nissan. I'll, it's it was it's a lot of work and it's a lot of splitting your time away from your family and away from concentrating on the brick and mortar restaurants here in town but um that's when it goes back to how good a staff do you have mm. how much they respect you how mm. much they're going to work for you when you're not around how much you can trust them mm. so i'd like to think that during this whole process i built those relationships that allowed me to go out and do the things I, I could do away from the restaurant. Building those relationships uh, that lead to trust and respect and, and the ability to, to know that, that your team is going to work hard, but also building those relationships personally. Chris is teaching us that relationships are key to the success of any leader, both professionally and personally. I built those relationships with my family. Mm. Uh, you know, I was a I was a ball coach on every team. You know, growing up with all my kids, but uh, I was a busy ball coach. Uh, you know, I I still spent a lot of time traveling. I still spent a lot of time at the restaurant. Mm. Um, but it's all. But it's 
it's your time is split and it's sort of a juggling act that you've got to do. Now, I've learned a lot better how to say no. Uh, I'm in a, a great position now where I don't have to t chase every job that comes across my table. I can tell them, you know, no, thank you. Uh, and, uh, you know, now I guess my family time has gotten more and more and my work time has gotten less. I'm particular about where I travel. If I don't enjoy the people that I'm working for and traveling with and the places that they want me to go to, I say no. If, uh, if I look forward to seeing those uh, friends that I have in business across the country and look forward to going to places like Hawaii and Australia and uh, Ireland and, and, and wanna go there and wanna take my wife there, and I say, yes, I'll take that job. Wow. So I love it. And you, once again, I see the same pattern. You worked yourself into this opportunity to say no, right? You had a juggling act when your kids were young and you were coaching and you were trying to manage and cook and all. And that was a, those had to be difficult days. And I'm sure you were, uh, you know, you found yourself constantly tired, but you were putting in the dues to get to where you are today. That's exactly right. Yeah, I think that's that's an amazing leadership nugget here for us is that leadership doesn't happen overnight and you do the what you need to do to earn the right on the front end. It's a it's a, the uh, common thread in your story, Chris. That's amazing. You've always been willing to do the hard thing on the front end with to, to reap the reward on the back end. That's a that's an amazing story. I, th I think, too, that uh, an important factor in that is, is the people around me and how much support I had uh, mm -hmm. with my wife, with the kids, with mm -hmm. my restaurant, with all of the employees and the other managers and my father-in-law, Don McLemore. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's one of those things that you continually work out, work at. And, um, and I had that support. Uh, but I think I think it's something that you've got to earn that respect to get that res support, and think, and that's that's one thing I worked hard on. I think you did, and 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 no doubt about it. And they saw that. But I have to ask you a question, and you can say pass on this question if you want to. But I got to ask it. Uh, so you, you you parachute into this thing. You have Don's daughter Amy, and you know he's he wants her back, and she comes back. He he starts working with this with this young you know son-in-law. Um, was it difficult? Was it easy? Were there, were there times when you went, wow, I don't know if this is worth it. How did that relationship between you and Don, how did it, how did it grow? And, and kind of talk to us about that. Great question. Uh, it, that was one of the biggest decisions of my life when, uh, Don asked me to come back and, and learn the business and work with him. I mean, I'm going back to work with my in-laws at a job I've never done. Uh, at, uh, you know, something I've never dreamed about, I had no experience whatsoever. Um, you know, was he going to ho hover over my shoulder? Was it just, you know, there's a lot of thoughts going through your mind, but it's the best decision I ever made. Mm. Because when I went to work, Don let me do my own thing. He let me make my own decisions. Many were wrong, many mistakes, but he let me learn through my mistakes and he was not looking over my shoulder at every point. Want a leadership truth and a nugget, if you will, about leading others and developing others? How about allow them to make mistakes? Allowing them to make mistakes and to learn from those mistakes. 
Uh, kudos to Don. That's uh, great leadership. He saw the mistakes I made. I learned from those mistakes and, uh, and developed my own management style. And um, the relationship with us has always been great. It has, uh, it, you know, it was definitely the best decision I made in my life to go to work with my in-laws in the barbecue business in Decatur, Alabama. He's so supportive. And, um, and I think that's the biggest thing. He wasn't hovering. Mm. Um, I learned, yes, I made mistakes, but uh, I learned from those mistakes and, uh, he gave me, he gave me freedom to work on projects that I wanted to work on, uh, whether it be the competition, starting the competitions and, and things like that, or, or the sauces and, and all of that, you know, when you go on and on in the television shows and the big Bob Gibson promotions and things, but he gave me the opportunity to do what I was good at. And he never second guessed me. Wow. That says a lot about Don, doesn't it? That, that's great, great leadership. To, and, and then you see, see the result. Chris, as we turn the corner, I could listen to you all day. You are an amazing, amazing leader, uh, amazing guy. I want to pick your brain for just a minute because there are those listening who who listen to your story and, and are like, man, you know, maybe they're just graduating. Maybe they're just out of college. Maybe they're looking for, for their, you know, journey to begin or whatever. What would you say to those aspiring leaders? What do they need to know from Chris Lilly that would help them along their leadership journey? That's a good question. And, and let me preface my answer uh, with telling you that, uh, that my life is absolutely wonderful. I mean, I am traveling with the places that I go and the people that I meet and, uh, and what I do and loving what I do. I am a lucky man. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am so, so lucky. What I would tell aspiring leaders, what I would, what I would, if I could give them any nugget, I would tell them, that the harder I work, the luckier I get. Wow, that's good. It's, uh, <laughs> luck do doesn't just happen. I think it's, it's on the back and on the platform of hard work. And uh, the more things have come across my table, let me give you an example. Yeah. Uh, when when I go out and do a big wine and food festival, like the Aspen Wine and Food Festival or South Beach Wine and Food Festival, if I go and show up and I don't just mail it in, wow, I've got a great trip, you know, I'm going to, you know, make some coleslaw and, you know, put a little pork with it and just, you know, call it a day. Uh, if you go and say, no, I'm going to go all out and I'm going to put on a show and uh, I'm going to let people know I'm there. Um, Usually an appearance like that for me always leads to something else. Uh, South Beach Wine and Food led, uh, Festival led to me meeting people uh, that uh, ran NASCAR that started hiring me to do events specifically for NASCAR within the, within the, the racetracks. Wow. And, um, so, you know, since then I've probably, you know, done – five or six events specifically for NASCAR. My relationship for NASCAR allowed me the people to meet the people from Microsoft 
to start doing catering events and appearances for Microsoft. So it's one thing leads to another. Yes, I put in the extra work at that first wine and food festival, but look what it's got me down the line. Okay. And do you call that luck that, um, that I get a call from Microsoft saying, Hey, Chris, why don't you come to Sonoma, California to do a catering for us out here? No, that's not luck. It's based on the hard work that I put in on that first, uh, first uh, job that I did for South Beach Wine and Food Festival. Chris, that's amazing. That, that right there is, is worth the price of admission for everybody listening. That, please, I hope you, you may stop this podcast and go back and hear him say that again, because that is gold. And, uh, and it's so truth. What a truth. Chris Lilly, thank you. Thanks for giving us your time. I know you're a busy, busy man. But uh, I really appreciate who you are, not just what you do. You do tremendous work and make tremendous barbecue. But man, I appreciate who you are teaching us about uh, making those decisions up front to work hard and pursue excellence, uh, no matter what, and earning the right to, to lead others. Uh, invaluable message today. Uh, thank you so much for being with us and, and teaching us. I certainly appreciate you crossing the line, not only to lead with your head, but to lead with your heart. And uh, thank you for, for that today. And I uh, know that my man, you are making a difference and uh, I sure do appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. And uh, enjoy your podcast. And I think you're the one making a difference and hopefully affecting our future leaders lives in this world. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're going to leave the world in a lot better place. I appreciate it. Larry. Thank you so much, Chris. Take care, man. Take care. The harder I work, the luckier I get. Man, that is just amazing. That is such a such a wonderful truth. Uh, I hope that you took away uh, some truth today from a guy that is living that leadership journey, and uh, it, it wasn't just handed to him. He he worked his way to where he is uh, by by being willing to earn the right, by being willing to to do the extra thing with creativity and figuring things out, thinking well and figuring things out. Chris Lilly uh, is a is a great example of what we all can do and what we all can learn. The harder I work, uh, the luckier I get. Man, I'll take that with me and, and I'll ponder that for, for some time. And uh, I hope that this podcast has been beneficial to you. I hope you've enjoyed it uh, a little bit. And I hope that you will join us again next time as we cross the line in order to make a difference. <music>